Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the impacts of emerging regulations on supply chain compliance. This series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance provides cloud-based SaaS solutions that help companies manage their supply chain data, facilitate stakeholder and supply chain education on regulatory and program requirements, and increase transparency between businesses. Ascent helps companies overcome the challenge of meeting their compliance business requirement. Finally, Ascent streamlines the data exchange process for suppliers, making it easier for them to comply with their customers' data requests. For more information, check out their website, ascentcompliance.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with several members of the Ascent team to take a look at this topic review human trafficking and slavery developments, supply chain risk management programs, CSR value propositions, the current state of responsible mineral sourcing, and scaling up to meet challenges today, tomorrow, and down the road. It's a fascinating series that I know you will enjoy. In this third episode, I visit with Sarah Carpenter. She is the manager, business and human rights, and we pose the question, What's your CSR value proposition? It's a fascinating exploration of how CSR can actually improve your company going forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for Episode 3 in our five-part exploration of the impacts of emerging regulations. Today, I have with me Sarah Carpenter. She is the Manager of Business and Human Rights a Subject Matter Expert at Ascent. Sarah, first of all, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Oh, thank you, Tom, for having me. Sarah, um, certainly corporate social responsibility has been around as a concept for many years. Uh, you have practiced in this area uh, for a, a large portion of your professional career, and I was wondering if you could tell us how you have seen it evolve over time. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's a great question because uh, corporate social responsibility has certainly evolved in significant and important ways um, since it first entered the lexicon of uh, business. Um, so when it first started out, I would say businesses who were seeking to be socially responsible were primarily focused on philanthropy, so very much focused on uh, donating a portion of their revenue or their profits to support charitable aims, perhaps within their communities or within society at large. Um, that has certainly changed today. Um, if you consider, you know, your typical corporate responsibility program within a business, while philanthropy remains a component of it, um, how the business uh, generates their profits, so how they actually generate those revenues, those profits, and doing so in a way that uh, considers their or mitigates or reduces their social and environmental impact is, I would say, the new and evolved um, focus of, of their CSR programs. And that really is an important and fundamental shift. I think part of it gets to the heart of businesses' understanding of, of their role, of their responsibility within society. Um, again, once upon a time, I think businesses would have understood that their you know, role really was to generate maximum profits um, within the boundaries of the law, but certainly to generate those maximum profits. And today I've seen that changed in important ways where businesses, though they of course remain focused on their financial capital and are very much concerned about that, they're also concerned about their impact on human capital, social and, and natural capital as well. And so in that way, they um, uh, aren't just sort of concerned about operating within the boundaries of, let's say, an existing legal framework. Uh, 
framework, but also are looking to actually meet um, emerging, growing, and, and existing international norms and frameworks as it relates to uh, corporate social responsibility. Sarah, we really didn't uh, have the chance to get into your professional background uh, as as much as I would have liked to, but at one point you supported the United Nations International Labor Organization, the ILO, uh, in one of the, I think, seminal CSR um, turning points, uh, certainly in the last 10 years, and that was the Rana Plaza disaster. I was wondering if you might be able to talk about how uh, that disaster really led to uh, not so. Uh, not only an, an awakening of responsibility of corporations, but also how uh, some a tragedy like that led to a blossoming of labor rights in Bangladesh. Yeah, and and that's a great question. Um, if I kind of consider what, you know, one of the main lessons of Rano Plaza was, is if we kind of take a step back, um, Bangladesh um, is, is one of the main um, uh, producing countries of, of garments worldwide. And certainly companies have been sourcing from Bangladesh for years and years and years. And uh, many companies, you know, as they were looking to do so in a socially responsible manner, were primarily, you know, using audits as one of their key tools through which they were doing that. And the big sort of gap that um, uh, the world and the industry and everyone had to learn in the hardest way possible through the collapse of Rana Plaza, which, you know, killed over a thousand workers, was that those audit frameworks, they weren't comprehensive or holistic. So in a, a country like Bangladesh that is so densely populated, its garment factories were multi-tier, which again, is, is in contrast to many other, you know, common garment producing countries where garment factories aren't, aren't quite, you know, uh, they don't take place in tall businesses. And so those auditing frameworks and programs weren't, in fact, considering the structural integrity of buildings. They were looking at other issues. And so that was a rude awakening, I think, to the industry in terms of considering their uh, holistic impacts as it relates to corporate social responsibility, um, really being proactive and sort of meaningful in the due diligence that they undertake for co corporate social responsibility um, uh, issues when it comes to how they, they source their, their goods and services so that they don't miss those um, uh, big risks that, uh, uh, you know, they just weren't noting at that time because they, they were instead choosing to follow um, the standard, let's say, auditing frameworks that, uh, for the most part, weren't considering structural issues of, of buildings at that time. And it was also, you know, I think, again, a, a really difficult and uh, but profound lesson for the industry, although it's it's one I think that certainly this industry had had learned before, which is you know the impact of an event like that and how how that really can sort of shake up um, an, an an industry and sort of consumers' perception of of those companies that were involved or sourcing from Bangladesh at the time, um, and uh, you know the significant impact in terms of supply chain disruption, right? Um, uh, for those who were sourcing from Bangladesh and the impact that that had on on their bottom line. So um, uh, definitely kind of a pit of pivotal lesson there and, and uh, one that uh, I think the world had had to learn in the hard way, unfortunately, in the case of Rana Plaza. Sarah, most of my listeners are in the anti-corruption compliance space. And one of the things that struck me in listening to you was anti-corruption compliance uh, sort of 10 years ago was largely written by lawyers, for lawyers. It was legal driven. It was a response to a requirement whether that be in Canada, the CFPOA, or in the United States, the USFCPA, or the UK, the, the UK Bribery Act. But now, really, uh, companies have evolved to see that good compliance uh, creates not only business efficiencies, but also greater transparency and other benefits 
beyond simply complying with the law. Is that what you have seen in the evolution of corporate social responsibility as a value proposition? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think today businesses understand that CSR is a fundamental aspect of, of good corporate governance and good corporate governance, of course, underpins strong financial performance. Um, and so CSR, I mean, it, it provides, you know, numerous advantages to businesses. Um, and it's, you know, beyond sort of that strict legal and regulatory compliance, because while that, you know, uh, world has expanded significantly in recent years and laws and regulations um, have proliferated and will continue to proliferate, there still remain some gaps. And so um, some aspects of companies, you know, uh, CSR impacts aren't currently covered. And so they're done so in a quote unquote voluntary manner. But again, if, if you consider sort of the broader value proposition around CSR, it is, is it is so much more than what is, you know, legally required. So it includes access to large institutional buyers or really key sort of, you know, um, uh, buyers out there who are increasingly considering CSR um, uh, uh, aspects in terms of how they choose to source their goods and businesses and, you know, which businesses they choose to do business with. And this uh, isn't just, you know, private sector, it covers the public sector as well. And there's some really good examples uh, in relation to that and, and how that's new and emerging. Um, of course, there's aspects around sort of investor press or, uh, pressure. I mean, ESG investing has, you know, really understood to enter the mainstream. And of course, that that puts pressure and creates a new value proposition around wanting to sufficiently address um, ESG impacts. There's the obvious ones around civil society and sort of, you know, journalists. So wanting to protect brand and reputation, especially as um, those stakeholders become even more sophisticated and, and even, you know, better equipped with the information um, that they need to sort of assess corporate behavior and sort of, uh, you know, hold companies to account, you know, for those who, who might not be meeting norms around CSR. And then, you know, the other, you know, obvious group, right, is employees, you know, companies who do well today need to be able to attract and retain top talent. Um, employees increasingly are looking to work for companies who um, are, are doing well in the world, doing good in the world. And, and of course, sort of being able to sort of tell that compelling story and how a business is, is in fact doing that um, is, I think, key to attracting um, a large pool of sort of, you know, great talent that, that exists in the world today. So there's also been an important shift in the investor community where ESG investing has very much moved from the fringe um, to the mainstream. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, when investors consider ESG impacts of a company, those those companies who are addressing those impacts well uh, do well financially as well. So it goes without saying that they're looking to, you know, target their funds towards companies that are sufficiently addressing their ESG impacts because they're certainly um, at lower risk than those than those who aren't. Um, another important group to talk about is civil society and journalists, and I, I think this really is an important and, it, you know, perhaps an obvious one in the context of corporate social responsibility. Um, civil society and journalists, they have um, uh, they're as well equipped um, and have uh, more information than they ever have um, uh, to hold uh, businesses to account for how well they're addressing their CSR impacts through the proliferation of corporate disclosures on, on CSR issues. Um, so again, there's, you know, a very clear and compelling value proposition in wanting to sort of retain and protect a, a, a you know, brand reputation um, a given risks around sort of civil society and, and coverage by, by the news media as well. And then the last, you 
Latino, certainly, but not least, uh, a stakeholder group that I'll speak to here is around employees. So uh, businesses, you know, who want to thrive in today's market, of course, have to be able to attract and retain top talent. Um, that top talent is increasingly cares um, that they're, you know, doing work for a company that is doing good in, in society. And so, again, that's an important aspect of a company's value proposition as it relates to CSR is uh, uh, wanting to provide a workplace where uh, employees feel that that they're um, uh, uh, working for a company that's doing well in society so that they can retain and attract that, that top talent. Sarah, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope listeners will join me tomorrow where we take up the current state of responsible minerals. I've been visiting today with Sarah Carpenter, the manager of business and human rights at Ascent Compliance. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Great. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of our special five-part series on impacts of emerging regulations. And I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. This five-part podcast series has been sponsored by Ascent Compliance, and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.